Welcome to Dan Malloy's Personal Power Podcast. Get ready to up your communication and commitment game. Hear from those who have succeeded using Dan's program. And now, here's Dan Malloy. Hey guys, how are you? Uncle Dan here, coming to you from our studios overlooking New York City. Actually, I forgot, I'm in Park Ridge, New Jersey, <laughs> in the studio here. But I have a studio at, in my home office, too. Anyway, we're here today, and I'm thrilled because I have a very exciting guest coming up here in a few minutes, Mr. Neil Golding. And uh, Neil is a longtime friend and colleague, and a very smart man. He's, uh, he's an entrepreneur. He started a company called Jellyfish Ross. He'll explain what that's all about. But I want to lead into it by saying that, look, the world is consumed by data and information consumed. You know, and uh, I started in the uh, uh, information age in 1969 when I went to college as a freshman, started studying programming. And, and since then, it's been, f well, I was in 1969, so it's 50 years of, of a journey into data and, and getting the latest and greatest software. Uh, you know, every version of Microsoft, Windows, you know, and, and getting a com the, the fastest computer you could get. Why? Because it was always a, a competitive advantage to have the latest and greatest information and to have it in real time. You know, and then the Internet comes along in the late 90s and then it, things really started to speed up. You know, and, and, and it, it, you go from the dial-up ages in the, in the late 90s and you know, as we get into 2000 and all of a sudden bandwidth starts to become available. And now we're, we're at a point where everybody, everybody on the planet basically has a smartphone and everybody's tied into all the information that you will ever need at your fingertips. And so my claim is on some level, the information age is over. It's over. Because why? Why do I say it like that? Because it's a level playing field. If you're in a business selling to consumers or business to business, it doesn't matter. Everybody has all the information that they will ever need at their fingertips, pretty much in real time. So what is Neil's situation? Well, uh, what Neil does is he analyzes information and, and analyzes tons of it and comes back and is able to decipher the information and tell stories about the information that helps people that helps business owners and operators, because we're buried. We are literally buried in information. So it really, it really is useful to have somebody with his kind of skill set, which he'll talk about. He was a former CPA and, a, and an entrepreneur and a business owner operator and a consultant for the last 12 years. And the guy is really smart at studying the data and boiling it down into its essential components so that and telling stories about it so that people can make useful decisions and move on and, and have their businesses and their lives prosper. So Neil is a very, very, very interesting guy. He's also a, a world championship. Uh, he's, he's, he's a world-class athlete, or has been in the past. He'll explain all about that, too. So stick around for Mr. Neil Golding here in a few minutes, okay? We're going to take a short break right now, and when we come back, We'll get into it with you. Malloy Sales Development turns companies into commitment-based operations and their employees into commitment-based people. 
Because commitment for human beings is the foundation for everything. And in business, it's mission critical. Because the only time commerce happens in any company is when commitments are exchanged internally among employees and externally with customers and vendors. Visit us at www.malloysales.com. So I'm thrilled. I am thrilled to have uh, my colleague and a friend for uh, like, I don't know, about 16 years or so, 17 years, 15, 16, 17, somewhere in there, Neil. Neil is a, a very thoughtful, introspective kind of guy. Um, he's the founder of a company called Jellyfish Ross. I wanted him to explain what that, where that name came from because I forget. You might have told me a long time ago, but I forget. It's very interesting. But Neil is a very innovative, thoughtful guy in that he has uh, uh, lots of expertise with regard to data. And he go can go into companies, which he does, and he... He analyzes their data. It does a deep dive, as he says, into the data, and then comes back and tells stories and makes assessments uh, for the owner-operators and executive team, et cetera. And, and we've collaborated quite a bit over the year, Niels, uh, over the years, Neil. If I could speak, I'd be okay. But uh, I, how does that sound? Is that like a pretty good synopsis of, of, of what you do? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the RAS uh, stands for Reports, Analysis, and Strategy. Jellyfish, R-A-S. Where does jellyfish come from? Uh, the well, ocean. As you the can ocean. see, I'm in you Florida. And um, yeah. starting this business from scratch, I didn't have a large marketing budget. So I know I needed, I needed a, uh, an object that was identifiable without spending a lot of money on it. And that's kind of how I came up with jellyfish, kind of random. Now, as I thought about a jellyfish, jellyfish have survived for millions and millions of years and they are in the business of constantly finding food they're beautiful, they're lethal, and so I just thought that that's kind of what we do in the data business. We're always seeking data, and sometimes data is no good. You get rid of it. You don't waste your time uh, chasing it if it doesn't tell the story, if it doesn't have meaning, so it's kind of always in the pursuit of good data, and then... Um, and then taking action, being lethal with that data. Just having the data is a part of the process. And then doing something, building a strategy, teaching. What is that? That was my question. That was my question. Increase or a decrease. That was my That's question, Neil. Data helps us do. And it quantifies, we like, we like it to quantify reality. And then we like to, it, it helps us efficiently get rid of all the fog in the room and all the clouds. So we can talk in, in quick terms of reality. And then what are appropriate actions? Or do we just applaud the result? We see the data. We love the result. Let's just continue to do what we're doing. Data doesn't always mean you instantly have to respond to it. 
sometimes it has to marinate in the mind for a while. Uh-huh. And you watch it over time. You watch the performance uh, change over time. And so that's what we do at Jellyfish. And we're primarily in the dental industry. Mm-hmm. If you want me to share more of that. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's fascinating. You Because know, you, you come at it from that angle, I think, of being a former CPA years ago, right? Yes. And uh, being an entrepreneur um, in, in your family business up uh, right. Key, Keystone Autoglass, correct? Yes. I remember, yeah, see. number two. I think I'm on career number five, but I've been in this one for 13 years, so I hope this is the last career, the last reinvention. You never know, man. You never, you just never know. know. But... Uh, no, so I mean, I, I, I look. I mean, I, the, the, obviously businesses run on data, they, and we live in the information age. You know, we have. I mean, since I went to started college in 1969, you know, when I took my first programming class at Manhattan College in New York City, and it was always since then. It's been it's been a race to get the latest and greatest uh, computer, to get the latest and greatest uh, uh, software. Uh, for what purpose? To, to to analyze data, to because data, the right data, and and up to the minute, and then the internet comes along. You know, in the in the late '90s, mid to late '90s, it started to bubble up, going you know from uh, 28.8 to uh, 56 baud, and then up to T1s, and then now it's unlimited bandwidth everywhere, and right. and there's unlimited data everywhere, and everybody has everybody <laughs> everybody on the planet runs around with one of these things connected everybody has unlimited access to unlimited data (laughs) in real pretty much in real time you know but for for me what was fascinating to me was that the uh, the connection between language and communication and the data and I'm wondering if you could if you want to share because that's how we got together i mean i think you resonated right. with, with what my story my message was you know like how do you move the numbers you sure. so you do all this great analysis and you come up with all the you know these insights and everything and then you then you know i mean that's what we're dealing with in in some of these upcoming projects we're looking at you know how do you move this how do you steer the numbers some numbers you want to go up some numbers you want to go down how do you do that effectively Sure. Well, we, we definitely gather data and gathering data, we are submerged in volumes of data. So gathering all the data isn't necessarily the solution. Gathering the appropriate uh, level and intensity of data kind of makes it more pleasurable for the client. And we build these models, performance models, Sometimes they're numbers, sometimes they're pictures, but even the models themselves do not articulate what is happening. They are a factual representation of what's happening, but they don't articulate what's happening. Or how, or how to fix it. Huh? Or how to fix it. Or how to, yeah, they don't, or how to fix it. Um, and so I... I joke with my partner, and I'll, I'll ask if this ever happens to you, but as we 
build our models and share them to clients. And now we're on the telephone with the client and we're screen sharing and we're looking at the models. And these conversations can go on for an hour. I get off the phone sometimes and I'm sweating. Like they get very active. <laughs> and so I wasn't sweating when I was building the model, but just the sharing and the communication and putting the, the story and the training around it. So well, you're a pa you're a passionate guy anyway, and you you're emotional about it, and you get into it, you know. So it's I I, I, I do, but I would say communication. I appreciate that communication though is a huge part of the delivery of our product, of the delivery of our data. Just to deliver it without a voice, very little value. Well, it's very, I think it's fascinating what you what you're talking about because it's the the interpretation of the data. And then telling a story about the data in such a way that the the recipient, the owner operator, the, the the executives of the company, they can listen to the story and look at the data and look at the pictures and look at everything, and then they can come away and they can be empowered to take some kind of action. Yeah. Does that make sense? Sure. Well, they're empowered, they got the right tools, they're motivated, they're they believe they will achieve the result that they desire. And again, the cloud is lifted. We're dealing in facts and reality. Just this past week, I did a presentation to a, a CEO of one of our clients. A, he loved it because two days later, he said, yeah, we got nine more people. You need to give that exact presentation to. Now, it was models of their business, and it was all about their company. But I guess the models and the conversations spoke loud enough for him that his next piece of action is to share it. That's interesting. I, yeah, I would love to. I would love. It's been a while since you've done that for me, and I'd love to see one of those. Not not obviously today, but yeah. but I would love to see you go through your one of your analysis sessions again. I would love to see that. Well, you know, I've always been about generating sales and generating revenue and generating a positive patient or customer experience. You know, I've always been about that because yes. that's what you're about. And I've learned a lot of that from you, <laughs> mm. you know. Well, I appreciate uh, you always say that. And I appreciate I appreciate that. And, and now I'm <laughs> I'm at a point in my life, in my career, where I'm like, I'm, I'm, I want to learn from other people. And I yeah. I think that uh, I think we're on the verge of something, Neil, where we're taking your your data and all the work we've done for the last 20 years in, in language and communication. And we'll be able to we'll be able to show. Uh, CEOs, owner-operators of businesses will be able to show them uh, a story about the data, like you're describing, you know, to be able to analyze the data and show them a picture that they go, wow, I've never noticed that, never knew that before, right? And they see some, they get an aha moment perhaps. And then we can, then from there we can say, all right, well, if you want to move this number and this number, these are the specific conversations that you have to alter. You have to change you have to change sure. these conversations because it's the, these conversations are the ones that are driving those numbers that you want to change. Right. And this is where I always struggled, you know, back in the day when I had that ProCare operation and with clients today even, you know, it's like a, the, the, there's a disconnect. They don't realize a lot of times, people, that, that the, the numbers that you talk about are all tied to communication. Sure. 
Makes yeah. perfect sense, right? In the, in the healthcare field, we may use the word protocol a little more than the word communication. Protocol can handle and cover a lot of steps and processes. Right. But we often say, well, what is the protocol we'd like to implement to continue to stay on the trajectory or to achieve the result we're seeking? And the word protocol can be administrative protocols. It can be clinical protocols. So okay. in the world, we use this, we have a slightly different word, but it's the same thing. And a protocol is step one, step two, step three. It's a process. It's a repeatable and widely known and in, in accepted process within, within the organization. And it's exactly what you talk about in your communications is um, we're always assessing, we're always exchanging trust, we're always making commitments to each other, and protocols in the healthcare field are very similar. It's, it's do I trust the clinician to do the right thing? And, and now, with what's going on in our current state of the world, clinical protocols are more important than ever before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For safety purposes and for, yeah. Safety and everything like that. So let me ask you, I got to ask you a question yeah. in, in getting ready for this podcast. One of my team said, I think Neil had something to do with Bill Gates. <laughs> she wasn't sure. Touch, is that, is, is that a piece of Microsoft? Only eight hours a day, every day. That's, I think we've all had something to do with Bill all Gates. All right, okay, that's what it was. It was your tongue-in-cheek yeah. when you were talking about your relationship with Bill Gates. <laughs> we, we, touch, we touch a piece of Microsoft every single day, about eight hours a day, sometimes ten. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. I got it. This is a, a personal question. You know, I, I know you and I have both been athletes, but you achieved something I never achieved, which is to finish first place in the world in, uh, in, in a, a, a huge – uh, international squash competition. I look. I here's, so here's here's my question: What did you What did you learn from going through that experience? And just if you share with people what you accomplished and what and what you learned from it, what's your takeaway? Sure, mm, that's a, a good question. Um, experience never comes fast. Being properly trained doesn't happen quickly. It takes a long grind to get properly trained and to prepare for something like that. You have to enjoy the grind <laughs> because then it's, you know, it's right. pretty miserable if you don't enjoy the process of training and preparing. And then enjoy the grind. I can relate to, that, to yeah. going to that competition you let the world know you're going to that competition. Mm -hmm. You let them know what you're doing, and it puts another higher level of pressure on you to perform and execute because you just told all your friends and family you're traveling around to the other side of the world to compete in something that you've been training on for the last 20 years and intensely for the last year of your life. That's a lot of pressure on you, and... Uh, so it's, it's kind of what you have said this, and I'll go back to something you have said. It's, it's making that commitment. You know, you, you, 
the commitment for life in language. And I told the world I'm going out there to compete. Um, I didn't necessarily say, and I'm going to win the gold medal. I probably implied that I'm not going there to lose. Okay. You get there and you realize. Uh, what, what's there? To explain, explain to our listeners what there is. <laughs> Oh, I was. I went to Israel. Are you talking about the exact location? Yeah. What and what the what the what the competition was? I went to Israel, the 2017 Maccabee Games. It's the Israeli Olympics held every four years in Israel. To to participate in the Israeli Olympics, you have to be either a citizen of Israel or a Jew living somewhere in the world. Then you have to have some proficiency in the sport that you engage in. It's uh, an Olympic competition that's held throughout the country. Um, we had the official marching in ceremony right. through the um, stadium in uh, in Jerusalem, and uh, so it's, it's. And as an adult, I went as an adult. To have a an Olympic experience as an adult, it's a pretty wowing kind of opportunity. Humbling experience, right? Wearing the red, white, and blue, and yeah, and um, and it was tough. It was fun. It was tough. It was in the middle of July. It was hot. Um, it was every all the training that you do. And you get there, and you're like, oh, I wish I would have trained a little more. <laughs> it seems like you can never train enough, and then you realize everybody else has flown around the globe to participate. No one has come here to lose. We have all come here to win. And, um, and intensity gets really high. Fortunately, I did win. I won a gold medal in my division. Um, and... After the competition was over and after the dust settles and you get back to your life in uh, Florida again, it was a kind of a letdown. Like you, you're gassed. Right. You're yeah, gassed. no, it is. It's a big letdown after that. Absolutely. Because well, yeah, your focus, your whole life, your, 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 your life is consumed by it, you know, for yeah. such a long period of time. Yeah, well, so what did you? So, what's your? What's your? Ramp back up and get back on the squash court and and get competitive again. I bet I was gassed for two months. Really? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Athlete. We're amateur athletes, but we pursue it as if we think we're professionals, but we're amateurs. Right. We just pursue it. You don't hard. make a living doing it. No. So. So why do you um, think? Why are you on the planet, Neil? That's a really good question, Dan. <laughs> why, why do you exist? <laughs> uh, well, something that comes to mind often is it, my interactions today with the people that I crossed paths with, did they get a positive interaction with me or a negative interaction with me? One of the things I think about a lot is I hope that the people that I cross their paths, more often than not, my interaction is positive. I hope that's the, that's the mark I leave on the path that I walk. It's a simple way of 
<laughs> there you go. I like it. And I think it is generally. And I know that that uh, you're an intense kind of guy, but, I mean, that comes through in, in how you compete, right, athletically and, uh, and in, in business. And um, uh, I think in, in what you want to try and do, and I, I, I know that, and I appreciate our partnership going back uh, – 14, 15 years ago, we did a lot of work together and created a lot of, helped a lot of companies over the, along the way, all those glass companies, and and uh, oh. now hopefully we can take it off and, and, and work together in a, closely in the uh, uh, in the dental field again, really ignite that. I'm very excited about that, by the way. Um, uh, well... I would give you credit. I'll give you props again. So before I met you, the things that we were doing in Autoglass and how we were making sales had a lot of the foundations that you have taught over the years, but we really didn't know it. And we really didn't have it in an organized manner in our minds. And so when I met you and you shared your, some of your communication skills and philosophies, that really crystallized, and then you know, I have not, I've never let it go. I know. Once you once you see that, I'm, I it really it's the same thing for me when I stu- when I stu- started studying it at the age of thirty, which is almost forty years ago, and here I am ta- saying the, the same thing. You know, because it is it's a shift when when you realize that uh, commitment is what drives everything. It's not the information, not the data. It's really. If you want to change the data and move the numbers, you have to link back to language. You have to link back to how people communicate at some point. You have to right. go there, right? And then once you get there and you realize, wow, yeah, we have to change how we communicate. If we want to move these numbers, it has, it's all tied to how we communicate. Then, then, then how do you communicate? <laughs> the $64 million question. Any well, comments? And, and a lot of people say, well, just be nice. Just be nice. And that's... A tone, but that doesn't necessarily drive an effectiveness. Well, it does, it, you just say be nice. It, it, it doesn't give you access to what you have to do and how you have to communicate if you want to change things. Be nice. Right. That's a part of it, of course, like you said. That's a part of it. That's a part it's, of it. It's, it's always the go-to place, but we know to be an effective communicator that actually creates results, there's more rigors than just being nice. Yes, absolutely. And so, I, I mean, I look at what we do is we, what, here's how I would characterize it. We get together with clients and we, we, we analyze data and then we tell stories about what we see in such a way that we can invent and help to create a new future for that company. Sure. Invent a new future, the one that didn't exist before we met them you know and um it's a really gratifying feeling too and you've been in that process many many times and so have i it's a really gratifying feeling it is when 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 somebody that you're communicating with says okay yeah let's do this together you know and then you you start to invent and create and change how they go to market and change how they communicate and and uh, I, I like to say change them from being you know a a a uh, uh, an information-based company in that that's all they talk about. And that right. we, we teach them how to, how to talk about their commitment to help each other and to help their customers and to, to help themselves help each other internally. 
Um, it, it, to me, it's a, it doesn't get better than that when they cross that bridge. And if some of them don't cross that bridge. <laughs> no, don't. No, no. It but, time. but listen, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you here. I, I'd love for you to, to share with people how they can get in touch with you if they want to have, if they want to have a, um, a strategy session with Neil Golding about the data, what, if, what their data is telling you. It's like Neil's like a like a, a, a psychic of uh, data. He, <laughs> he has his crystal ball. The crystal ball is made by Microsoft, by the way. <laughs> Correct. All right. Well, the easy way to get a hold of jellyfishras.com. My contact information is on there. My partner Mike's contact information is on there. Jellyfishras.com. Or you can call Dan Malloy. That's right. His contact information is available, and he can connect us. Or you can visit us in West Palm Beach, Florida. As you can see, it's a beautiful summer day in West Palm Beach. Must be hot down there, buddy, I'm telling you. Hot every day down here, but that's why we're here. We like it. It's sunny. Um, so there's many ways to find us and, and connect with us. And we love the opportunity just to hear what your data concerns or interests are. There you go, my friend. So listen, this is it. We'll have you back again for another session of, uh, you know, in, uh, on my podcast. And uh, uh, have, a great, have a great weekend, all right? Thanks, Dan. Good talking to you. Peace, Neil. Be good. Dan Malloy's Personal Power Blueprint is a game changer. This podcast is designed to open the door to unlimited personal power by teaching you how to communicate more effectively and to sell more. It's based on a philosophy Dan developed called the language of commitment. Listen and subscribe at www.malloysales.com. Hey, guys, uh, Uncle Dan, I'm back again, and this is the wrap-up. I really want to thank Neil Golding, uh, a really good guy in a class act, very smart man for being here with us today. I really enjoy uh, talking with him. Uh, you can always learn something from Neil. And I just want to let you know, stay tuned. We've got lots more interesting guests coming up. Please check us out at MalloySales.com. We've got lots of, um, uh, uh, what do you call, uh, pre-recorded webinars up there. We've got a lot of other of our uh, uh, YouTube uh, not YouTube, our podcast episodes up there. We have YouTube channel as well. On top. We're everywhere. We are everywhere. Now, we're having fun. And, you know, the mission, my mission is to help educate people and to help, help people improve their businesses, make more money, improve their lives and everything. So that's what we're all about. So um, we look forward to seeing you on the next podcast. All right? Ciao.